0: Hi, I'm Viv Groskop, your pool agony aunt, and this is Waving Not Drowning, where I'll discuss how to combat your problems and solve your emotional issues. On this week's Dear Viv, a sister's nightmare boyfriend, pet wars, slacker colleagues, antenatal groups, and a racist grandmother. Our first question this week. Dear Viv, I'm really worried about my sister. She was single for ages after she split up with her long-term boyfriend, but about six months ago she met someone through friends. He seemed all right at first, but he moved in pretty quickly and seems to do nothing much except sit around watching TV. He doesn't have any money because he's a musician, and even though he's been offered jobs, he doesn't take them because they get in the way of his music. But it's not as if he ever actually plays any. That's not the real problem though, it's the way my sister has changed. Her musical taste, her clothes, her hair, the books she reads, even her friends. I went to the pub for Sunday lunch with them last week and they obviously had a row while I was in the loo. She looked like she'd been crying and the look on his face really chilled me. But when he realised I was watching, his face completely changed, suddenly all charming as if I'd imagined it. I'm worried for her, but when I tried to talk to her about it, she shrugged me off and didn't return my texts for a few days. Oh, drama-rama! I'm immediately going to say to you what I say to a lot of people who write in with letters complaining about someone else's behaviour, over which they have basically no control, and that is this, and it is a bit harsh. Beware of being a compulsive helper, and beware of being caught up in a drama of your own making. The truth is here, unless your sister confides in you, you don't really know the reality of her situation. You only know what you're reading into it and that may or may not be accurate. Things seem this way to you, but you may not have the full picture. You should also be aware that you are in danger of casting yourself as the hero in this scenario, the one person who can really see what's going on, the one person who's in the right. So is this really about your sister or is it about you? I only raise this because I think there are possibly other interpretations of this situation. Your sister may have desperately wanted to change. Maybe she and her boyfriend have a relatively fiery relationship, but they both quite like it that way and that's none of your business. It's also entirely possible that the look on his face that you mistook for deceit-bordering OMG, he's a total psychopath, see what I mean about drama-rama. It's possible it was actually a look that said, oh, it's so embarrassing that my girlfriend's sister has realised we were having a row, I could just die right now. Is that not possible? Similarly, your sister might have been too embarrassed to respond directly to your messages. We all hate being caught rowing with someone, especially if the person who's caught us rowing already seems a bit disapproving of the relationship. I think if you really care and you really want to look out for your sister, which I'm sure you do, find other ways to show her that you're there for her. Take her out and do nice things together. Shopping is always good here, I find, but maybe that's just me. Do things that have nothing to do with her boyfriend and where you don't raise the issue at all. Just be there for her. If something is going on that she wants to talk about, it will come out and she may ask for your help and you'll be ready. But it has to come from her, I'm afraid. It can't come from you. I'm sorry to destroy your rescue fantasies, but it isn't up to any of us to fix someone else's life, especially when they didn't ask for it and they might be perfectly happy with the way things are. My next question. Dear Viv, My mother-in-law wants to buy my son a dog. At five years old, he's far too young to take care of it properly, so it would inevitably be me, in capital letters, cleaning up its shit and walking it in the pouring rain. My husband thinks it's a great plan, as he loved having pets when he was growing up, and his parents think it's sad that he doesn't have any siblings. I get lots of snide comments about this decision. I just don't want an effing dog goodness me you're quite decided on this aren't you we get it you don't like dogs you don't want a dog that's good you know your own mind it's good to have boundaries and it's good to know how strongly you feel about something and you really really don't like dogs we get it but what else is going on here rather a lot I think there's the mention of he doesn't have any siblings and all the judgment that implies have your parents-in-law actually said that or is it an imagined slight How do you feel yourself about the fact that your son doesn't have any siblings? You say it's a decision you've taken. If you're happy with that decision, you don't have to explain or justify or excuse it in any way. So yeah, just stick to your guns. I don't think you have to justify why you don't want a pet. Equally, you don't have to justify why you don't want another baby. You're entitled to live your life the way you want. The difficulty here is, of course, that your husband disagrees, but there is some wiggle room here. Does your husband really want a pet? Or does he think a pet is a great plan? These are two different things. One is a situation where he's pushing for this himself, and the other is a situation where he's just going along with what his mother is proposing. Hmm, you can imagine what I think of that. Does he know how strongly you feel? and that you really don't want to change your mind, especially as you know you will be the one looking after this dog. Let your husband relive the joy of his pet-owning childhood via the magic of photographs. They will make a lot less mess. I don't think, by the way, that having a pet is remotely some kind of effective sibling substitute. So if anyone is suggesting this is a solution, don't have a baby, get a puppy instead. Really, really. They need to take a long, hard look at themselves. Perhaps don't say that to your mother-in-law quite in those words. But I am on your side here. Say no to the effing dog. Our next question. Dear Viv, one of my colleagues is a total slacker and really just crap. We all work overtime every day to get all the jobs done. Recently, though, she started logging her overtime, and she's the only one that does this. But this means that she is owed time So then she gets days off. We're short-staffed, and those of us who are working have to stay late. If we all logged our overtime, we'd all start having days off in lieu, and the rest of us would just have to work longer, so it's a vicious cycle. And actually, if none of us did this, and we all just worked our normal hours, we would be able to get all the jobs done in time. It's only because she started taking back her overtime that the rest of us are having to work harder. It's massively frustrating because we need her to stop doing it. But at the same time, I know she's too selfish to do that. Help! Oh, you all sound like a total load of nightmares in your office. This reminds me why I don't work in an office. I would have to machete someone. I hate the thought of this pathetic logging of overtime. But I also hate the thought of you logging the logging of the overtime, which is effectively what you're doing. Uh, Two wrongs don't make a right. Your colleague is behaving like an idiot. You have a choice. Ignore her behaviour and or find a solution or become an idiot yourself and start behaving like her. At the moment, I think you're in danger of following the second path. Let me help you then find a solution to this. There is one way to get around this and you're not going to like it at all, but I want you to entertain it for a second. What happens... If you let this woman do what she wants and you all absorb the rest of the work without complaining. I I know I said you weren't going to like it. I wonder if this might be more workable than you think. First of all, it has a Zen quality of acceptance to it as a solution. You are not going to descend to her level. I've gone into my hypnotist voice now. You are just going to accept the fact that some people are total antisocial idiots and that is more trouble than it is worth to persuade them to stop being total antisocial idiots. Move over, Paul McKenna. (laughs) I've moved into your zone. I think perhaps this attitude might bond you all and let you see that just because one person is being petty, you don't all have to be petty. My secret hope is that if you do this and you really do need to do it with good grace and humor your colleague will actually be shamed into realizing that her behavior is out of order things will change a lot faster if you can get her to realize this for herself rather than trying to explain to her that she needs to stop doing this because as you say she's never going to listen to that second of all I think that this solution is what's healthy for the rest of you. I can just imagine you all getting caught up in bitching and moaning and quetching and almost ganging up on this woman. Yes, she has done something incredibly irritating, but she now risks becoming the focus of something quite close to a bullying campaign. And that is just going to make her feel even more self-righteous about what she's done and dig in even more. I do sympathise with you hugely. We have all worked with total slackers. But in my experience, they are best left to their own devices. And I have found that once you ignore what they're doing and stop letting them think that they're a special case, they mysteriously fall into line and start working in pretty much the same way everyone else works. Life is too short to obsess over why some people get away with murder while the rest of us toil away like a load of schmucks. Don't waste too much time analysing this situation and just do what you know is right. Be zen. Our next question. Dear Viv, I kind of hate everyone at my antenatal group. They all act like having a baby makes them the most special person in the universe, like no one else has ever had a baby before. There's also a lot of one-upmanship around prams and maternity wear and birth plans and God knows what else. How do I avoid becoming one of them, i.e. a smug mum? Oh, this is a common lament and a very sad one. But hating other parents is a totally normal reaction. I would be worried if you didn't. But this is also a time of life when you really, really desperately need some close friends who are going through exactly the same thing as you are. And it's also a time of life when you will probably be more annoying to be around than at any other time. I speak from personal experience. So it's as well to be among your own kind. I can feel the self-awareness radiating out of your letter though. You don't want to become a person unrecognizable to yourself and you don't want to end up having to be friends with people just because they're in the same life situation as you. But I have some news for you, lovely mum-to-be. Having a baby is all about doing stuff that you never imagined you'd do in your entire life. And one of those things is being friends with people you never thought you'd be friends with. I'm sorry. Bear with me before you start to get morning sickness. I speak with some authority here as I have graduated from three separate antenatal groups with three children. I have had very good friends in all of them, in all of these groups, who I've known for over 10 years. And I've had people that I've known in these groups who I knew very well for about 12 weeks and then never saw ever again. With my third child, the ladies in that group used to joke that I'd buried all the mothers from the previous antenatal groups under my patio. That said to me that they were good people and I definitely lucked out. So I really believe you should suspend judgment for a bit about your new friends. Probably they're just babbling and being silly and pretending to know more than they really do at the moment because they're totally terrified and just want to fit in. Try and get one or two of them on their own if you can. People and especially hormonal pregnant women can behave strangely in groups I find. Groups put us under pressure and they can often stop us from showing our true selves. I bet if you met one or two of these mums on their own for coffee you would see a completely different side to them and have a completely different kind of conversation. Also, and this is the important bit, wait until the babies come. You will see these women change for better and for worse. You'll see yourself change for better and for worse. You might as well be with other people in the same situation as you to bear witness. Let these friendships surprise you. We'll see how smug the group stays once a few of you have had an episiotomy. That's the cutting of the perineum for anyone not already in an antenatal group, by the way. In my experience, it's very difficult to stay smug once someone has cut into your perineum. Happy childbirth. Our next question. Dear Viv, I'm getting married in summer and recently met my fiancé's grandma for the first time. She was nice enough but kept making ignorant, casually racist comments, which she clearly expects everyone to laugh at. My boyfriend had warned me about this, but I now feel really uncomfortable about having her at my wedding, especially considering that a large chunk of my relatives who we've invited are from other countries. Can I uninvite her? Oh, no. Casually racist grandma alerts. Sound the alarm. I love the way you say she was nice enough. All casual racists are nice enough. Damn them. How dare they be so nice and then say casually racist things? I'm sorry if I'm being a bit flippant about this, but I have to say that I take casual racism in a grandma with a pinch of salt. I would be far more shocked to learn that your fiancé's grandma was not racist. There's something almost freakish about liberal grandparents. You need old people to be at least a bit fascist, otherwise they're suspicious, surely. So your concern for your relatives, though, that is understandable. But I'm, I'm willing to bet they will not be remotely phased by some crazy elderly lady making entirely predictable reactionary comments. I say entirely predictable as I think most people have some kind of level of tolerance of racism in older people. This is sad but true. Obviously we should have no tolerance. But that's just how it is. I would be much more worried about this situation if it were a younger relative. That's so much more offensive. You would be surprised how many allowances people will make for age. At least your boyfriend is on your side, remember that, and he'd warned you about the situation. I really feel for him here. It's his grandma, so he can't be too aggressive about this, don't expect him to be, but he probably is horribly embarrassed and ashamed. I don't think you should make that worse for him by even saying that you'd like to uninvite casually racist grandma. Keep your sense of humour about you here, this is the key, if you possibly can. It's the only way to defuse offensive and usually mad comments. Warn whoever you can who's coming to the wedding. Talk to your boyfriend about your concerns. Enlist the help of anyone sympathetic to your cause to help out at the wedding by making sure that casually racist grandma is contained in some way, if possible. Please also think about inviting me, as I think I'd find this an extremely entertaining event to attend. <laughs> That's all for today. If you have a problem you'd like to submit, please send your email to dearviv at thepoolltd.com or tweet us at thepooluk. Thanks for listening. Join us again soon and sign in to thepool.com where you can get more content specifically made by us for women like you. We hope we see you there. Planning for your next trip?